place came to town. It means so much more. That is the title of the message, the day that grace came to town. As we prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, this week we talk about one of the main events leading up to that point. Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. While most sermons that you hear, most things that you hear, they're going to talk about the the palm trees and Jesus riding into town as as an event that led up to the cross. But I want to pull today a little bit more out of this story because it wasn't just an ordinary donkey. It wasn't just an ordinary ride to town. It meant so much more. Today's message is called uh, The Day That Grace Came to Town Because Jesus Was the Embodiment of Grace Given to Mankind. Say, Pastor Keenan, what, what, what do you mean? What, what, is, what does grace mean? You know, I'm new. Help me out. Well, we define grace as undeserved favor or the power of undeserved favor, which produces real practical outcomes in people's lives. Undeserved favor or the power of undeserved favor that produces real practical outcomes in people's lives. Jesus was the example of that grace as he entered Jerusalem. But not in the way that the Jews thought. It meant so much more. The people saw Jesus entering in on a donkey and they had this idea in their mind of what it meant and and how much it would mean for the people of Jerusalem. But as usual, what God had in store for them was way beyond that. It meant so much more. Uh, In my house, uh, my wife will tell you that I am a... um, how do you put it? I'm a, I'm a sentimental person. Um, I, when I was on the road, uh, we sold T-shirts a lot. We sold merch. I traveled around the world as a Christian artist, and, and, and we had a, a great time. And my family, you see here, a lot of them were on the road with me, and they would work the tables, and, and we would have a good time. And, and that was a great moment for me in my life. Um, we would come up with these designs for these T-shirts, and uh, we would all wear the T-shirts. And as a, a sentimental uh, thing, and, and, and uh, Ms. Pat Minner, uh, she knows me very well. Uh, she took all of our T-shirts that we came up with and she stitched them together into a blanket. I had no idea this was happening. Uh, I just knew shirts was missing. Uh, and... Every time we would get a new shirt, we'd be like, hey, can I get a shirt? And i say, like, what size you want? She's like, it don't matter what size it is. I just need a shirt. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to ask no questions. And so she presented this to me. And so I, ha- I still have that, that, that blanket to this day, and, and Cadence would see it, and he would use it when he was younger. We would let him wrap himself up with it till he started not taking care of it. <laughs> then we started to have problems. He's like, Daddy, it's just a blanket. I'm like, hold on. First of all, it's not just a blanket. You can't read yet, and you don't know what all of this is, but this isn't just a blanket. This is blood, sweat, tears. This is work. 
It meant more. It meant so much more than just being a blanket. I have these, um, these uh, uh, badges in my house. So um, I, I didn't grow up going a lot of places or doing a lot of things. That's just the way our family, we grew up. Um, but when I got older and I began to travel, I came to California, began to travel, began to do a bunch of things, I would keep the badges that I would get uh, when I would go places. So when I went to, uh, I got this opportunity to go to uh, uh, Universal Studios for the first time, and there was this Transformer ride that came out. And they gave you a badge because you were the first, one of the first people to ride this Transformer ride. And I, when I, it's something about when you put on a badge. You just, you feel different when you put on a badge. And I, to this day, still have that badge, and my wife will tell you it's a problem because I probably have about 50 or 60 badges from things that have happened. And so what, what happens, you know, what had happened is my wife, you know, she's going through stuff, and she'll see a badge. She might try to throw that thing in a trash can. She's like, I'm tired of all these badges in my house. I'm like, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, I don't understand why you keep this stuff. I don't get it. And I'm like, see, to you, it's just a badge. But to me, it's so much more. This is a moment. This is something that I remember. And this doesn't correlate to a, a sheet of paper that somebody laminated and put a hole in. This is a memory for me. This is a, a, a moment. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I remember what I had on. It meant so much more. This is what this scripture, this is what this story is about. Before we get into our main text, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, and this might put a little bow on it. Isaiah 55, verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, the, the Jewish people thought they knew what was going on. They, they said we had the scribes, we had the, the prophecies come forth. We, 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 we read in the, the scrolls every day. We know what's going on. And, 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 and the Lord says, no, 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 no. My thoughts ain't your thoughts. My ways Ain't your ways as high as the, the heavens are higher than the earth. So, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than you. We should never be at a place where we feel like we have God figured out. Oftentimes where hurt comes in, where, where disappointment comes in, where, where these, these, these emotions come in is where you thought you had God figured out. You said, oh, I know that if I pray like this and then I go in like this and I, and I worship like this and, and I know that God's going to answer me like this. But, but, but I can tell you anyone who has been uh, uh, in the faith for any considerable amount of time, they know for sure there will be times where you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea why things are happening the way that they're happening. You have no idea why you didn't get the answer that you thought that you was going to get. Why you didn't get the job you thought that you were going to get. Why you didn't get the relationship that you really wanted. Why you didn't get the job, babe? Why you didn't get the, the promotion? Why, you, why didn't you? He says, no, no, no. Listen, 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 daughter. Listen, son. He said, my ways ain't your ways. 
My thoughts aren't your thoughts. You don't understand. I'm, I, I see farther than you do. My son, Cadence, he's up there. He, 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 he doesn't like being in the, in the car seat for some reason. And whenever he gets in the car seat, it's a, it's a problem, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a situation. It's a situation when he gets in a car seat. You can see the sadness on his face as you begin to strap him in. And he doesn't seem to understand why he needs to be in a car seat. He's like, Daddy, I... I'm a big boy now. I, I don't have to sit in the car seat. He, he doesn't understand. And I'm like, you don't get it. And as, as I'm strapping it and I'm seeing this, I'm like, don't do that. I, I'm seeing the sad face. I'm seeing him reluctantly closing the class on the car seat. Here's the thing. I'm not just going to let him sit without a car seat. Why? Because I know a little bit more than he does. And even though he's crying, even though he's upset, even though he doesn't understand, even even though he doesn't realize it, my ways ain't his ways. My thoughts ain't his thoughts. I'm a little further ahead than him. As we think about that, let's dig into our text, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. After saying these things... Jesus went on ahead of them going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the mount which is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, look, go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you will find a donkey's colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anybody asks you why you are untying the coat, you will say the Lord needs it. This is important. This is big. This is big. A lot of people will say the devil is in the details. But I have found the opposite to be true. Actually, the Lord is in the details. Any of you have ever been in business, you know that uh, you, when you read a contract, you, you find the Lord all in the details. Nope, I don't want that. Nope, let's redline that. No, the Lord is in the details. Whenever we see Jesus giving instructions, whether it is in the, the New Testament or we see the Lord himself giving instruction in the Old Testament, the instructions are very specific and they're very detailed and they're that way for a reason. Okay, y'all don't believe me. Nobody, amen. Let's, let's go. Let's go to Genesis chapter. No, no, it's too late now. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 14. The Lord is talking to Noah. Excuse me. Yeah, the Lord is talking to Noah. Verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. So that's a specific type of wood. He says, make it in rooms, make it in stalls and pens and coops and nests and cages and compartments and coat it inside and out with pitch or bitumen. 
This is the way you are to make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width shall be 50 cubits. Its height shall be 30 cubits. You shall make a window for light and ventilation uh, to the ark and finish it to at least 18 inches from the top and set the entry door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. See, see, the Lord was in the details. Why? Because it wasn't just a boat that he was building building. It meant so much more. It was the repopulation of earth in every form. And God was saying, pay attention to the details. All right, that wasn't enough. Let's go to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. Here we see the Lord speaking about the Ark of the Covenant. They shall make an ark of Achaia wood, two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, and one and a half cubits high. Overlay the ark with pure gold. Overlay it inside and out. You shall make a gold border or a frame around its top. You shall have four gold rings for it and attach them to the four feet, two rings on either side. You shall make carrying poles of a kale wood and overlay them with gold. And then put the poles through the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. These poles shall remain in the rings of the ark and they shall not be removed from from it so that the ark itself need not be touched. The Lord is in the details. This wasn't just a fancy encasement. It wasn't just a fancy box that they were creating for some reason. It was so much more. This was the very presence of the living God. And you don't believe it, read the story and find out what happened when they didn't pay attention to the details. The people who read the story is laughing. Those who don't, go home and read and see what happened. This was the presence of God. Why am I pointing this out? Because in our text, Jesus gave specific details, specific instructions to the disciples to follow. And as important as the instructions were for Noah... As important as the instructions were for the Ark of the Covenant, these instructions hold the same weight. Luke chapter 19, let's go back. Luke chapter 19, verses 30. We'll start at verse 30 and then go to uh, verse 31. Go into the village ahead of you there. As you enter, you will find the donkey's coat tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you untying the coat? You will say the Lord needs it. See, the disciples had to listen to every detail, whether they fully understood it or not. A lot of times, if we don't understand it. All right. So they had to go to the village ahead, not the village behind, not the village two villages up or the village on the side. He said, go to the village ahead and they would find a donkey's colt on which no one had ever sat. This was significant. Because this this young male donkey or a colt, right, it would have been the finest of the donkeys. I, I mean, I don't know, you know, on the scale, but it would have been at the top of the scale. I haven't seen a donkey that was like, mm, that's a nice donkey. Uh, but 
This would have been on the top of the, the donkey's list, okay? This would have been one of the finest ones. It would have been unblemished. It would have been unridden because this particular donkey was set aside as a sacrifice to the Lord for the Jewish people. They set aside the best of what they had to be sacrificed, okay? So he said, go, go get this one. In verse 31, he says, why are you untying the coat? This is important. This answer is important because this is one of the only places in the gospel where Jesus identifies himself as Lord. See, when you look back, he says, he said, you know, people have told him, he says, who do, who do men say that I am? Or before, you know, when people try to say, oh, you are the, he's like, ah, zip it, zip it. He said, don't, don't, don't say anything. Don't, don't tell anyone. But here, he says, when anyone asks you, say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. We're, just, we're going through, we're pointing this out. We're in Bible study this, this Saturday evening. Luke, uh, let's continue our story, verse 32, Luke chapter 19, verse 32. So those who were sent left and found the cult. Look at that. They paid attention. They found the colt just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? And guess what they said, y'all? The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their robes over the colt and put it on Jesus. See, their obedience to what Jesus instructed allowed them to know what was going to happen how to prepare for it, and how to respond to it. See, when the Lord gives us instructions, we have to respond accordingly. Because when we follow his instructions, we will have a just-as-he-said moment as well. Some of us haven't received what he said because we haven't done what he said. We want to add or we want to take away, or we want to edit what he said, but that's not obedience. That's actually disobedience. Even if we don't understand, even if we don't comprehend, we have to trust that he knows. We have to trust that we serve a God that loves us, that we serve a God that cares for us. We serve a God that will not let us fail. So it doesn't matter what he tells us to do. We're trusting God and we're leaning on him and we say, you know what? I don't know, but you know, so I'll go, right? I don't know, but I'm going anyway because I trust you. And when that happens, we will have a moment where we'll be able to say, you know what? Just like he said. Verse 33, as they were untying the colts, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. What will your response be when the thing that you hold precious and dear is required of you by the Lord. When you have a the Lord needs it moment, what will your response be? Are you going to be willing and ready to, to give of what you've been blessed with? Or will you hold on to the blessing? Like the wicked steward the Bible talks about. 
This verse has so much more. So much more than just a, a sacrificial donkey being taken. It was a sacrifice being taken to usher in the real sacrifice to end all sacrifices. John chapter 12. I want to pick this story up in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. The next day when a large crowd who had come to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees in homage to him as king, and they went out to meet him, and they began shouting, and they kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed, celebrated, praised is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, just as it is written in Scripture. Do not fear, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand the meaning of these at first, but when Jesus was glorified and exalted, they remembered that these things had been written about him and been done to him. Verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and homage the king and went out to meet him. First, we see that people went to meet Jesus, and when they went to meet Jesus, they brought something. Jesus didn't come to us empty-handed, and we should never come to him empty-handed. They brought something. They brought those, those palm trees and they begin to worship and they begin to praise. We should always come to the Lord ready to worship and ready to praise who he is. Hosanna, they said, bless, celebrated, praise. Hosanna means oh save or save now. They were saying save us. But the saving that they had in mind was the establishment of Jewish rule and, and Jewish authority. They wanted a warrior, but Jesus didn't come as a warrior king. See, in those days, kings were the only ones who rode through this passage. Anyone who was less than a king, they would get off of the thing that they were riding and they would walk in. But, but Jesus, Jesus rode in. And when those kings rode into town, they would be celebrated. And here's the thing. If they rode on a horse, people knew that there was a victory, but they were still at war. They knew, if they came in on a horse, if the king came back from war on a horse, they knew that there was a victory, but they were still at war. But if the king came in on a donkey, the king came in on a donkey, it was a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of peace. And Jesus rode in as a symbol of peace. Excuse me, Jesus rode in on a symbol of peace as the prince of peace. Tell y'all, it's more, it's more, it's more in the scripture, verse 14, and Jesus finding the donkey sat on it just as it is written in scripture. In Luke, we read the back history of this donkey, but what makes this story so much more, this is crazy. You don't just find a, a wild donkey that's never been ridden and, and, and is unblemished and just put a coat on it and, and expect to just jump on it and ride it smoothly in the town. Oh, no. 
Donkeys have to be trained. They have to be familiar with the riders. But Jesus proved that he was Lord of all, including the animals, by sitting on this donkey and entering town. And then at the same time as all this was happening, it says he fulfilled a prophecy. A prophecy that was several hundred years old found in Zechariah verse 9-9. Let's read that. Zechariah verse 9-9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sing aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold your king. Messianic king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, humble and unassuming in submission to the will of the father and riding on a donkey upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Man, man, hundreds of years before this prophecy was spoken, they kept looking. They kept waiting. When is it happening? Is this the guy? Is this the one? But when they saw it in this moment, because you can imagine all of these scribes, all of these people who have been following the way, all these people who are of the Jewish tradition, they knew about this prophecy. And when they saw Jesus riding in, in that moment, it was a light that clicked. And now they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. This story is the story of grace personified. Jesus came to town on a donkey, not on a horse. He didn't come with a bunch of fanfare. It was just him. He came as a king, but not the king that they were looking for. Because as much as they shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as we'll see next week, what it really was, was blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because of what he can do for me. They had their own agendas. They wanted a king to help them overthrow Rome and establish the Jewish rule. They wanted a king to kill the Romans and assert Jewish authority. They wanted a king to settle the battle in their region, but Jesus came to settle the battle for their soul. They wanted a king to assist them in their present, but Jesus came to assist them in eternity. This is grace. Jesus, in this moment, as they're singing these songs and saying Hosanna, he knows that some of the same voices will shout crucify him days later, but he did it anyway. This is grace. This is grace. He, he knew that the same ones who were placing palm trees at his feet would be the reason that they placed nails in his hand, but he did it anyway. This is grace. This was more than just a prophet on a donkey as other religions would try to paint it. No, no, no. This was the day that grace came to town. Grace came to town. And as we close, what was their response to this grace? John chapter 12, verse 17 says, So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to tell others about him. 
For this reason, the crowd went to meet him because they heard that he performed this miraculous sign. This is why they went to meet him. And the Pharisees said, you see that you are to gain nothing. The world is now even going after him. Their response to grace was to go and tell the world. They saw what Jesus did in raising Lazarus from the dead. They saw this prophecy come to life before their very eyes and they had to go and tell everyone about it. This day proved to thousands of people who Jesus really was. But those people's testimonies live on today to tell millions about the grace that was made available to them through Jesus Christ. And this should be our response. This should be our response. Grace has come to town in this story, but more importantly, it's come to live in each and every one of us through the shedding blood of Jesus Christ. So let's be reminded to not only hear the story of when grace came to town, but tell the story of when grace came not only to town, but to live in your heart. 1 Peter 2, 9 says to tell of the night and day difference that he made in your life. Easter after Easter, Good Friday, Palm Sunday, we can hear these stories and we could come into this season and we could get used to hearing these stories. Yeah, I know what this is. I heard this story. I know. And there's a play and there's kids and there's Easter eggs, there's Easter eggs. And you get used to that. How dare, how dare we? take this story for granted it wasn't just a donkey it wasn't just palm trees it wasn't just Jesus riding the town there are folds and folds of what was happening in this moment but what is most important is this was the day this was the day prophecy was fulfilled this was the day that that Jesus came in the story goes on to say he, he came and he began to weep because he knew. He knew. But he did it anyway. He got on, next week we'll talk about it, but, but you, you, he got on the cross anyway. He knew the entire time, but he healed anyway. He rose Lazarus anyway. He did it anyway. He knew that there were some mornings we would wake up and we wouldn't pray. He knew that there were some, some weeks that would go by and, and we wouldn't acknowledge him. He knew that we would come time and time again and say, Lord, here I am again. I know I said last time was the last time. He, he, he knew that there would be some of us that would turn our complete backs toward him and run the opposite direction, that there would be some who, who, who would just talk bad about him and say, I don't know if this is real and I don't know if that, I don't know if that. And he got on the cross anyway. 
He woke you up anyway. He protected you anyway. This is the grace. This is the undeserved favor of Jesus Christ. Our response should be Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It should cause us to go and say, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know why you are the way that you are. I don't know what you think. But let me tell you about the night and day difference that Jesus Christ made in my life. I can't help but to tell you because of what he did to me. Because of what he did for me. You don't know who I used to be. But let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you about the day that grace came home. Let me tell you about the day that he picked me up out of my pit. Let me tell you about the day that he, that he changed my life, that he changed my world, that he changed everything around me. Let me tell you about the day grace came home. This should be our response. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word.